Welcome, folks, to another podcast here. I'm Mark Steiner. Always good to have you listening with us. We're about to talk with Garna Noor, who is a producer with the Real News Network, and she wrote this article, Trump is Right. Corporate media has failed us, but not for the reasons he says. And it hit hidden truth out on October the 21st, and she joins us in the house. Good to see you, Darna. How good are you? Good to see you. Doing great, Mark. Thanks for having me. So... Hear this. Miguel Marquez begins our coverage this hour in Baltimore. He's with the protesters tonight. Miguel, what are you seeing right now? Very much with the protesters. These young men are incredibly angry about everything happening. Clearly. Fuck him. Fuck you. Fuck emotion running through the streets here. Uh, we are now moving on to uh, North Street, which is a very big avenue here in Baltimore. With CNN, which is so bad and so pathetic, and their ratings are going down. Right? So you begin your article with that, talking about Trump and CNN sucks, and then once again, CNN sucks from the perspective of the street. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty gray. FCN. Oh, can I curse on the air on you your can. podcast? On podcast, so you Fox can curse. Yes, you're allowed to curse on podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so why that? Tell me why you started that way. Um, the so, symmetry between these two very different events. Well, I just I, you know, reading the the media coverage of Trump's speech in Phoenix, um, where he had the crowd shouting CNN sucks, the coverage sort of makes it seem like this is some new sentiment that's coming. Oh, these crazy right wingers hate the liberal media. Oh, Donald Trump is such a loud media critic. Um, Listen to how crazy it is that they're all saying CNN sucks. But, you know, it wasn't so long ago that we were hearing people who had completely could not be far different, far more different politics. Um shouting, you know, something really similar. Um, so I just I sort of wanted to draw light to the fact that it's not just the crazy right wingers who have distrust in the media. It's people who, you know, I find myself honestly having like a lot of sympathy, sympathy with. Um, hmm. I, I don't want to be labeled as like a Trump supporter or a crazy right winger for having critiques. Of but you're media. not. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I mean, so so to me, what's the symmetry for you, though? I mean, what is it that these two incidences, I mean, one that was where, the, where, where Trump in a very, I think, fascistic way pumps a crowd and attacks the media, and the other coming out of the street itself, demonstrations with CNN covering the march because of Freddie Gray's murder, mm-hmm. um, and people just so livid about things, grabbing the mic and saying as well, CNN sucks. So what what for you is that symmetry? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's funny because the the symmetry, I guess, comes in the words that people are saying, but in reality, the situations couldn't really be more different. Um, I mean, of course, there are Trump supporters who uh, I'm sure are valid in their um, distrust of the media. The media has been, you know, no fan of, or no, no friend to uh, economically oppressed people throughout the United States. Um, whether they be white or black. Um, But, you know, Trump has often said things like, oh, the media failed to cover my campaign, which they very clearly didn't. The media gave the Trump campaign tons and tons of free coverage. The article says maybe $5 Um, billion worth of free coverage. Yeah, $5 billion worth of free coverage. Um, Whereas in Baltimore, people were, you know, so frustrated that 
when there is any coverage of issues in Baltimore on mainstream media, they're so often portrayed as, you know, violent um, and needlessly violent. Um, you know, I mentioned in my article that there were so many instances of the word thug used in mainstream media. And famously, uh, Aaron Burnett and um, a host on CNN, Aaron Burnett uh, and Carl Stokes uh, in 2015, like really got into it on CNN um, because she asked Carl Stokes why it's not OK to call people thugs. He basically said, like, it's a thinly veiled racial slur. Um, but, you know, it goes so much far. It goes farther than just the language that's used. People don't really talk about the ways that black people, especially in Baltimore, are oppressed in the mainstream media at all. Um, so so let's get down to that part. I mean, because you, you use a bunch of examples here. The word thug and how many times it was used by the media, especially when it came to Freddie Gray and other instances, similar to Freddie Gray, but also... Really interesting when we when we look at when mass murders have happened in the United States, we, what we call terrorist murders happen in the United States, mm-hmm. and how they've been covered, and who's been covered and who hasn't been covered. Right. Yes. Um, and so far right perpetrators uh, are actually carrying out more attacks uh, at this time in the United States than perpetrators of color, especially Muslim perpetrators. Um, you know, but how often do you hear anyone who's white who's carrying out an act of terror being called a terrorist uh, in mainstream media? So you, you quote a lot of articles in, in your article, and one of them was this article from The Independent about terror attacks mm-hmm. and how we cover terror attacks. This is a really interesting stat that you that the article says that, that uh, between 2011 and 2015, there were 449 percent increase in media attention to terror attacks when and only when the perpetrator was a Muslim. Right even though they committed only 12.4% of all attacks during the period, attacks during that period, but they had 41, almost 42% of the news coverage. I mean, that, so when the Sikh temple was hit, very little coverage. Right. When a synagogue was hit, very little coverage. Right. Even when the one that people thought was in the headlines all the time, which was the killing in the AME church in Charleston, mm-hmm. by, Dylan, that by one, Dylan Roof, when he killed the black parishioners in that church, uh, again, I was shocked by how little the coverage was for that, thinking yeah. that it was massive. Absolutely. Because maybe it caught my attention, but it wasn't. So what? So what is that? What do you think is going on? Um, I think I mean it's not only uh, a lack of coverage that you're seeing of you know uh, white terror attacks. I don't. I'm not sure that I. I think some people are really interested in uh, starting to use the word terrorist to describe all of these things. For me, it's really hard to uh, decouple the word terrorist from its sort of. Uh, Islamophobic trappings, um, but whatever you call uh-huh. it, like the way that um, you prefer not to use that word. Um, I don't. I think that in there's an work. argument either way, but yeah, I think I'd prefer not to use it in um, my work. Um, but I mean, even the way that the uh, you know political terror um, at the hands of white folks is spoken about, you know, this is no surprise to people. But how often is it um, that a Muslim person has like the you know, the trappings where they're called mentally ill or something like that. Um, it's so often that, you know, folks of color uh, are treated as quote unquote terrorists when they commit acts of violence that kill actually fewer people than white folks. Um, and, you know, this doesn't just impact like the way that Islamophobia works in the United States, but I think also it helps to fuel Islamophobia overseas. Um, people are less likely to question foreign policy that ends up killing lots of brown Muslims overseas when they think of them as so terrifying and uh, as committing so much terror here. And if they're so afraid of them, then why would we want to save them overseas? So 
The other thing you point out here before we get into kind of your, I want to get you soon get to your analysis of why, what this means and what the depth of it is. Um, again, something that maybe because I spend so much time looking at it, I think climate change is in the news all the time. Yeah. But your article's pointing out <laughs> that's not real either. <laughs> yeah, no, not not at all. Uh, in fact, the the amount of coverage that uh, corporate media is giving climate change is actually falling, um, which is crazy because the temperature of the earth is increasing rapidly. Um, and, you know, we're seeing the effects of that everywhere from Hurricane Harvey to Hurricane Irma to now these wildfires happening in California. So. So, I mean, so but you get into why you think these things are happening. I mean, because it, it, one of the things you're clear about, which I try to stay be clear about as well when I make my own critiques, the media, we have these critiques, is it's, it's not attacking the journalists. Right. Right? It's what they're stuck in. Right. Um, and this is something that I think Trump has, uh, you know, been... <laughs> it's funny to say Trump has been so wrong about because I can't, it's hard to think of things that he's been correct about. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Trump has been saying that journalists are bad people. He's been saying that the people who are making the media are crooked. And that's why, you know, it's doing such a disservice to people. Um, but I really, I think it's more about the funding model and the fact that, you know, you if mainstream media or corporate media, whatever you want to call it, is rely on advertising dollars. Um, it's hard to say things that are too controversial. And right now, unfortunately, just saying that climate change exists is still, by those you know by those terms, controversial. So, but what's under that? I mean, one of the things that you kind of talk about in the piece is a combination of really interesting forces at work here, and part of the bottom line, bottom line has to do with money, mm-hmm. right? I th- when I was reading this, I was thinking about how all the football stadiums are empty. They're not as full as they should be during a football season, given the the mania right. uh, the, that grabs this country during during an NFL season. And it's not just the it's not just because people on the left and people communities of color said we support take a knee, and so we're not going to watch football while while they you know attack men t- taking the knee. It's also the people who are pissed off at people taking the knee that are also aren't going the people who actually have the money and go to the stadium all the time right so again there's this interplay that happens here and and the bottom line is money yeah absolutely so i mean so so the question for me is when you when you wrote wrote in your piece about what it's what's fueling this whether it's the climate change piece and oil in the fossil industry um and getting white viewers pissed off if they see in a constant kind of attack around racism as kind of the substance of what's happening underneath of this? I mean, I think there's a number of things. Uh, For one, of course, like corporate uh, media is often concerned about viewership. Um, You're not only going to put off viewers by saying things that are controversial, but you'll also oftentimes lose access to, you know, profiling or interviewing um, politicians and things of that nature. Um, You know, so you're affected in media by the same sort of lobbying forces uh, that politicians are if you want them on your shows to get more views or uh to boost the amount of numbers that you're getting on your programming then that's going to hurt you as well um but also i mean there's just the the actual like corporations that fund um media oftentimes with advertising are not corporations who are going to be friendly to people speaking about things like climate change um or you know like fascistic foreign policy for that matter. 
So I don't know. I don't think that that uh, means that there can't be good journalists working at a CNN or an NBC. It just means that journalists are limited in what they can say. I mean, so it's this weird way that, you know, when you watch somebody like Donald Trump <laughs> mm-hmm. and he says things that on some levels are correct. Yes. Yeah. Right. But, you know, the way he's saying them and what he's saying them for. So he's so so it's true from the argument you're making. It's true that the media, the major media does not cover our world the way it should be covering our world with a depth, whether it's about attacking black demonstrators in the streets as thugs or only paying attention when somebody of color commits an act that kills more than four people or not covering climate change, that they're, that, 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 that clearly is a critique. But then Trump is attacking the journalists themselves right. and trying not allow any critique of him right. and using the truth to twist it around to fit his political needs. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And Donald Trump is somebody who has used racist language time and time again. Donald Trump is a climate denier who's elected climate deniers in, into his Oval Office. So, um, you know, for him to say uh, that corporate media has failed us, I think, means something very different from, you know, somebody, for instance, a protester in Baltimore saying fuck CNN. Right. So where do we take this? Um, I mean, what's the, what, 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 so what, what comes out of all this? I mean, it's, you know... For the last 20-some years, 25 years, I've been working with groups like Media Matters and doing stories and bringing them to the airwaves, um, the podcast airwaves. Is it still an airwave when it's a podcast? I don't know, but whatever we are. But but so where do we take this? What, what do you? What's the logical step? Well, I think, for one, uh, you know, it's easy, I think, when you see that Donald Trump is being so critical of the media to try to distance yourself from media criticism. Um, And I think that's really dangerous. I think that people need to speak up when they're dissatisfied with the media. Um, I think that people should believe the statistics that tell them that, you know, the coverage of climate climate change has decreased or the coverage of political terror by white people has decreased. Um, You know, don't be afraid that you're going to be lumped in with the Trump supporters for observing something and speaking about it as an observation that you've made. Um, But then also, you know, it's not like... You know, you know uh, better than anyone, Mark, that it's not like corporate media is the only media that's out there. Really? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so there there are alternatives. Um, and I don't, I mean, yeah, this is a question of like people should look more to their independent news sources. But I think that, you know, we as like independent media makers also should expect more of ourselves. And, um, you know, it's more important now than ever when uh, media is coming under attack to try to make content that speaks to a wider audience um, and put as much information out there, but not in a way that we're not just to overwhelm people with information, but, you know, in a way where it can actually galvanize them to action. I always wonder when the thing that made me think about uh, what I thought about in reading the piece you wrote for Truth Out, um, and maybe it's just my old organizer self and from the past coming out, but how you... How you breach that gap, this deep racial political gap that sits in America, where both people inherently know what they're hearing is not entirely true, mm-hmm. but the conclusions we come to are different, and how you use the media to tell the story that maybe helps build a bridge across that gap. Yeah, I think so too. And 
A lo- uh, right now, a lot of people are talking about uh, bursting out of their silos, um, you know, not just making climate change for audiences that already know about climate change, not only making, you know, news about racial policy um, for people of color. Um, so I think that those kinds of things can be really important in order to sort of give people the information that they need to live their fullest lives, not just in the areas that are their specific, like pet areas or issue areas of particular interest. Um but, you know, in like a holistic sense and getting a full picture of how things work. So I have this question before we conclude. So are you, um, I mean, you're, you're producing it at, at the Real News Network. Yep. One of the many places you like to see supported. Not just because <laughs> yeah. you work there, but you also like to work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So are we going to see more of this from Darna Noor? The written word, doing stories? Yeah. Uh, actually, so the real news is actually building out its written word right now. So it's building out our, we're building out our print section right now. So I hope so. <laughs> um, I had some uh, help in editing this from the, the folks at the Institute for Policy Studies. Um, I was just uh, in a fellowship program there on a new economy in Maryland. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah. So they, you know, sort of encouraged me to write this and helped me edit along the way. Um, lots of, you know, maybe don't only write this for an audience that already cares about independent media. Remember, <laughs> do you have to uh, do the thing that you're telling other people to do? Make this accessible to everyone. So that it was is really accessible. Too. It's a very accessible piece. Oh, thanks, Mark. <laughs> so, um, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna link to this piece uh, at steinershow.org. Uh, you can go read it. Uh, you need to read it. Darna Noor, D H A R N A Noor, N O O R, who's a producer at Real News Network. Uh, wrote this piece for Truth Out, and the piece is called, most more of us tell folks that, Trump is right, corporate media has failed us, but not for the reason reasons he says. Uh, so you want to check this out, uh, write to her and let her know what you think of the piece. Write to us at marketsteinershow.org. So let us know what you think about uh, the podcast today, and we'll get you in touch with Donna as well. Thanks. Thanks for listening to our podcast. This program was produced and edited by Calvin Perry, with assistance from our intern, Nora Belbidia. You can download the podcast and more at steinershow.org and on iTunes or on your favorite podcasting app. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for The Mark Steiner Show. And please let us know what you think. Write me at mark at steinershow.org. We'll be back in a couple more days with a brand new podcast.